This is the 20 Bell Salute, a 20-year look back each month on wrestling, movies, video games, music, TV, and so much more exclusively on the Wrestle Addict Radio Patreon, hosted by yours truly, Mr. Fretz of the Game Changer Podcast. What is going on, folks? I am Mr. Fretz from the Game Changer Podcast here on Wrestle Addict Radio. You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at the Legendary JF. You can find me every Sunday on the Game Changer Podcast with Good Brother Nate the F and Great at Real F and Game. Be sure to follow us on Wrestle Addict Radio at Addict underscore Wrestle and our other amazing shows. Fourth Wall Wrestlecast at Fourth Wall Cast, Not Your Mama Soap Opera at Not Underscore Opera, The Kings of the Rings Podcast at KOTR Underscore Podcast, and of course, the Reverend himself, Mance Chapel from the Gift of Podcast at Gift of Podcast. Welcome to October 1999. Let's jump in my Y2K compliant time machine and talk about No Mercy 1999. But first, we will cover movies, TV shows, video games, a little bit of music. And, well, before I start here, uh, I'd be remiss if I didn't mention here that October 1999, the wrestling world lost Gorilla Monsoon. Now, Gorilla Monsoon was a, was a, former, a former wrestler himself, I think, in the 60s and 70s. Uh, he eventually became, you know, the voice of the WWE. He became... The man we heard on on commentary when when most of us were kids, you know, I unfortunately I didn't get into watching wrestling live until uh, he was actually the the commissioner of the WWF. E, um, but of course, you know, I I rented all the old movies I can get a hold of and always loved him on commentary, whether he was with uh, Jesse the Body Ventura or Bobby the Brain Heen and his. His commentary with Heenan was just the absolute best, just top notch. You know, they're both you know best friends in real life, uh, and they would just get on each other. Like Heenan was just the perfect foil, the perfect heel. That you know, will you be serious? And uh, especially if you want some commentary gold from that team, watch the 1992 Royal Rumble. It was just outrageous hilarious and you know perfect especially when uh you know rick flair won the rumble and during rick flair's uh title run heenan was uh, just an insufferable twat and it was funny as hell uh rest in peace girl monsoon uh you were gone far too soon uh of course he made an appearance at wrestlemania 15 during the uh the brawl for all of all things and he looked just gravely ill at that point in time. That was only about six months before this. Pardon me. Um, yeah, and uh, 
it was a class act by WCW to let Heenan pay tribute to him on Nitro that week. Uh, you could tell he was choked up. He was uh, he he was he was visibly crying. He was visibly upset. And and over the years, you know, as Heenan uh, lost his voice and lost his ability to talk due to cancer, uh, you would always see him wearing like uh, grill monsoon shirts. And then just in his last couple of years, like I think he got, I don't know what he had done, but he couldn't talk at all. Maybe he got like a part of his face taken out and, and you know, it was um, just so tough to look at, but he would always point the shirt, point up to heaven with, uh, with a tear in his eye. And he reunited with, uh, with his, with his gorilla I think it's been about two years now since Heenan passed away and just the, the two absolute best and just the voice of, of many of our childhoods. I, I'll, I'll never for, I'll never forget just the sound of gorilla every time, you know, Heenan gets on his case or whether uh, uh, Ventura was healing out uh, over the, the past couple of years of his career. I think he, he just had a tough time because um his son Joey was was in a car accident, I think around 94, 95, and then unfortunately it took his life and it took a massive toll on Monsoon. And if you want to hear some more great content about Monsoon, I think uh, Bruce Pritchard has a podcast with all about Monsoon on, you know, something to wrestle with. So yeah, rest in peace, Gorilla. Now I'm going to get into some movies that were released in October 1999. We had Superstar, you know, in a Saturday Night Live flick with Molly Shannon, Will Ferrell, uh, Mark McKinney, Harlan Williams, Tom Green. Ugh. Uh, so this was just a, just this SNL misfire. I mean, you, you couldn't capture the magic from other SNL movies like Wayne's World and Coneheads. This was just dumb from the start. Really flat jokes, really bad. Um, yeah, Molly Shannon plays uh, Mary Catherine Gallagher, a uh, socially awkward, really, really weird uh, Catholic schoolgirl who wants nothing but infamy. She wants to be famous. Uh, and yeah, and then you know Will Ferrell, I think, plays her friend or her boyfriend or something. Uh, Mary is you know sent to special education because of her hyperactivity, and and it just goes from there. Like all those jokes that I think don't age well. You know, like she's the nerd and wants to be a cheerleader or wants to have you know the the single hunky guy and goes to a talent show, blah blah blah, and it's uh, it's dumb i mean i probably rented this movie back in the day i probably laughed i was 15 in 1999 so i laughed at pretty near everything uh just a bit of a, a sideburg here will um i grew up in brock township in southern ontario small like a small town called cannington and um friends in philly you know aunt uh, and Stefano Scott Rand, uh, you guys would probably know, well, you guys already know this anyways, but I grew up in the same town as the late Rick McLeish, a former Philadelphia Flyer who played 
in the seventies during the broad street bully days, won a couple Stanley cups and, um, yeah, Rick, he always made it, made it a priority to try to make it out to Cannington once in a while, whether it was for a hockey tournament, a golf tournament, or the Santa Claus parade. So I've met him many, many times. You know, he passed away a few years ago. Uh, I still keep in touch a little bit with his brother, who was a could have been actually a really great hockey player back in the day, but just things fell through. He was about as good as his brother Rick, apparently. I don't have any proof of that because this happened you know, 15 years before I was born. Um, anyways, Brock Township in our video rental place was called Brock Buster. Yes, I said Brock Buster. How, how they didn't get sued is, is beyond me. So this would be the, something I would rent from the Brock Buster uh, coming out of youth group Friday nights, you know, that, that was just a block away from, from the church where my youth group took place. So we'd step out of there, go to Brockbuster, rent a movie, and go hang out with uh, with my friends. Whether it was, uh, you know, Double J, whether it was Wakely, whether it was Dave or Sean. Shout out to all those guys. Uh, although I haven't kept in touch with some of his Wakely. Uh, by the time you, by the time this comes out, it'll be past his birthday. So I'll wish Wakely a happy belated birthday. I love you tons, my brother. I hope you're doing well, and I'm going to send this uh, send this out to you. So. Yeah, this was, uh, yeah, it was nothing special. Coming up next here, we have American Beauty. You know, of course, this stars uh, Kevin Spacey, Annette Benning, Thora Birch, Allison Janney, Peter Gallagher, Mina Savari, uh, Chris Cooper, Wes Bentley. This is a, uh, could be considered a problematic movie, I guess mostly based on what has surfaced from Kevin Spacey in the past few years with his, uh, <clears throat> allegations, if you will, I think they're, yeah, they, they are true. I'm, I'm not going to, I'm not going to get into this uh, anyway. So Lester, he plays Lester Burnham, who plays a uh, advertising executive who has a midlife crisis and becomes uh, infatuated and has a thing for his teenage daughter's best friend, who is played by Mina Savari, who you might remember from American Pie as um, Oz's girlfriend. Uh, I can't remember the the name of her character off the top of my head, but you know, of course, we have Thora Birch, who is uh, I, be I believe is the daughter. So this film is in itself it's a satire of of the middle class, you know, and their notions of beauty and personal satisfaction, uh, sexuality, materialism, and redemption. So. This was weird. You know, of course we have, you know, this this movie has been memed and quoted to death and joked about on shows like Family Guy. Uh, <clears throat> so, you know, Kevin, he wants to quit being an adult and he pursues this lady, this young lady, this fucking teenager, creep, uh, having all these sexual fantasies. And of course this is where that, that rose petal thing comes from, that uh, cheerleading in an empty gym where he's the only member of the audience thing comes from. And yeah, due to Kevin, like this is not a movie worth revisiting. Like I don't think I ever sat the whole way through. Uh, maybe I did when I was a when I was a teen because this movie had tits, and I'm like, okay, I'll watch I'll watch this for that. Uh, looking back at this now, it doesn't really age well, especially when it's someone probably my, my age or just a little bit older uh, 
having like all these fantasies and thoughts about teenagers and that that is just it's so creepy it, it's so creepy it's really really bad like i might try to sit through this again someday but you know i i hate romantic movies you know chick flicks uh i i find them absolutely insufferable <laughs> uh I prefer, you know, movies that'll make me laugh or action or action movies, maybe the odd psychological thriller. Uh, but no, like I, I, I can't with this one. Uh, another one we have here is a very popular movie that I'm going to have a piping hot take about. And speaking of a hot take, I'm going to take a sip of this coffee before I get into it. That's great audio content for you folks. Fight Club. Now, this is a film directed by David Finchner, and it starred, you know, Brad Pitt, Edward Norton, Hella Bonham Carter, uh, Meatloaf, Jared Leto. And on the surface, <clears throat> this is just a movie about an underground fight club. Okay, that's all right. That's cool. So you have, you know, a a guy meets Tyler Durden, uh, and they befriend the Marla. Uh, where where do we go from here? This is just uh, <clears throat> I'm, I'm I'm sorry. I'm I'm just I'm 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 vamping here. But this, of course, this is just a um, insomniac meets this soap maker. They form this underground. This underground fight club, this is, you know, one of those movies that are kind of uh, a mindfuck, if you will, and they form this fight club, and they recruit these people uh, as, like, you know, an anti-materialist and anti-corporate organization, kind of, you know, like a uh, fuck society and question everything and don't take everything at face value. Like, I'm okay with the whole, like, questioning everything and, like, Okay, yeah, that you you should question everything. Like I'm I'm a Christian, and I question a lot in in the, in uh, theology. Uh, nothing I'm going to get into getting into here. If you want to know what I think, come have a beer with me, or or chat me up. It's uh, of course you know this is the thing that's you know they're kind of going up against uh, consumerism, and that's okay. But this is one of those movies that, in a way, uh caused some kind of faux um, way of thinking or cult or not religion, but it was just this faux philosophical bullshit, you know, kind of like the way, kind of along the lines of, you know, the matrix did the same thing earlier in this year. It's like, let's try and think like this. And to some, this movie had would to some would have, you know, a lot of, um, elements of toxic masculinity and you know if you meet a guy whose favorite movie is fight club you you might want to give that person uh like another look like really dude um me and me i freaking hate this movie this was like i think this is one of the worst movies i've ever seen in my entire life it was a giant waste of the of two hours or yeah it was like two hours and change. Uh, 
I love plot twists. I love mind fucks. Like the prestige. Now you see me. Uh, what's another? Like seven. I like movies like that. That kind of take you down a road and then twist and then just twist and turn. But the Tyler Durden twist was, well, yeah, it was spoiler alert. The Tyler Durden twist. Uh, it was shocking, but I just didn't like it. I, I came out of that movie feeling like, really? It was so empty. I came out of it so, so empty. Maybe I, I was a bit more of a, um, a more conservative Christian when I saw it. So maybe I was taken aback by things like, you know, the gratuitous sex, like the whole, like the one really wow line from uh, uh, Marla was like, I haven't been effed like that since grade school. Now she's a Brit, right? So across the pond here, that quote is completely taken out of context. And we're thinking like, what grade school? Okay. Creepy. Although she meant high school, obviously, I hope. Um, so, you know, the whole Project Mayhem thing, uh, I might try and give this movie another shot because, you know, I'm a bit more, I don't want to say I'm a more liberal Christian now. I'm just more, more lenient when it comes to, when it comes to media. Um, <clears throat> like, I'm not the kind of guy who'd be like, oh, God says you shouldn't watch this movie. Um I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna get get into that whole thing. It's like you know, life. I think is meant to be enjoyed, not scrut and not uh, scrutinized and walked on on eggshells. Uh, you know, we're all forgiven, right? So, get, getting out of this kind of uh, get get getting out of this now. I'm gonna go on to the next movie because I've spent too much time on this already. Mystery Alaska. You know, a comedy drama film. You know, directed by Jay Roach. And this was just a fictional small town in Alaska that plays an exhibition game against the New York Rangers. And, you know, it starred Russell Crowe, Hank Azaria, Mary McCormack, Burt, Burt Reynolds, excuse me. And this is just like a publicity stunt, like a small town, 600 some odd people where you have these guys, these small town blue collar people that just love to play hockey. You know, you got a sheriff, a grocer. Hey, that's me. Uh, a delivery man, a high school senior, and they play hockey. And they, I don't know if they win this contest or something, but they get this uh, thing like, hey, let's get the New York Rangers over here. So they're selected to host them in an exhibition game. You know, Little Richard makes a cameo in this movie, as well as uh, uh, former hockey personalities, Phil Esposito, Barry Melrose, and, hey, former Leaf Ty Domi. Uh, Mike Myers has a has a cameo in here, and I think this was a movie that had a gag where this guy was trying to woo this girl, and they have a hot tub, and uh, it's in the middle of winter because it's Alaska, and he gets his dick caught in the jets. Uh, guys, that's not what the jet is for. Uh, yeah. So in music, you know. Heartbreaker with Mariah Carey and Jay-Z. Jay-Z, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Canada. Um, Smooth by Rob Thomas and, and Santana is still ruling the charts. And other than that, you know, eh. So on TV, we have The Simpsons. A couple of great episodes this month. Uh, guess who's coming to criticize dinner? Uh, Homer becomes the new Spring Springfield food critic. 
he starts a, uh, I think he starts like a blog, which, you know, in the late nineties, you're like, Oh, this is a new thing. Uh, and then everyone and their mother and everyone in my high school had a GeoCities page at this point in time. There's something for it. There's a relic for you to look up. Oh man. I'm glad mine is wiped from the internet. Cause, oh, it was, it was cringe. So, you know, Homer, he then starts to draw the ire of the food critics because he gets to be, you know, classic jerk ass Homer and uh, gets really harsh on the criticism. He's kind of like, uh, Maybe although I, I would compare him to Gordon Ramsay, but American and a bit less vulgar, a lot less vulgar. Uh, we had Treehouse of Horror 10, you know, the annual Simpsons Halloween specials, which are still going today. Like Simpsons just started, what, season 31, 32? Holy balls. Uh, this one had, you know, I Know You Did Diddly Id. You know, of course, that's spoofing I Know You Did last summer. Uh, Ned Flanders, I think, becomes a werewolf. Homer hits him with a car. Blah, 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 desperately zeking Xena, you know, Lucy Wallace, Xena, uh, comic book guy is the collector. So he starts to collect and wrap, uh, all these celebrities and all that in Mylar because he's a comic book guy. He's a collector. He's assembling his toy shelf and, you know, Bart and Lisa get superpowers. Of course, you know, stretch dude and club girl. Oh, I don't apologize for that. And, Life is a glitch, and then you die. Uh, because it's 1999, it wouldn't be uh, 1999 without a Y2K spoof. Uh, of course, Homer is the um, he's the guy in charge of making sure everything is Y2K compliant at the nuclear plant. And, of course, he fails because he's Homer. It's a miracle that uh, Burns still has him in Sector 7G. Uh you know, blah, blah, blah. Oh, they have to vacate the planet. And of course, Lisa is the ship's proofreader. So she gets to go on board with all the greats and, you know, the people that they want to keep in society. And then the rest of the Simpsons end up on a ship that sails, uh, launches to the sun. You know, it had like Ross Perot and Rosie O'Donnell and Tom Arnold. And you had Lisa going to terraform. I think they're going to terraform the moon or Mars. And you had more notable people who I can't think of back then. Oh, and it was funny. Tanya Harding was on the ship that went into the sun because, well, you know what she did. <laughs> so King of the Hill, you know, another great animated show at this point in time. Uh, Family Guy was on a break until their Y2K episode in, in uh, December. King of the Hill, we had bills were made to be broken. You know, Bill Dotrieve had a, had a record at, um, at Arlen High for that stood the test of time for eons and eons. And then uh, a new person comes in and starts to break his record. Uh, but unfortunately this person, you know, suffers a horrific leg injury and Bill gets to keep his record, but then they do like a kind of a publicity stunt where he comes out and crutches and does it. And, you know, there's a fallout from that. And, you know, you'd think Bill, Bill will be depressed, but he is and he isn't, uh, there was a big campaign against it in Arlen and uh, well, you know, then Bill eventually embraces the fact that, Hey, you know what? If, if I could pass the torch on to anybody, it's him. Uh, then we had the little horrors of shop, you know, Hank becomes a, a substitute a shop teacher for a week because uh, Buck Strickland just, Hey, you're overworked. Get out of here. And of course, Hank being a honest workaholic just wants to do something and 
you know, he's basically kicked out of, uh, <clears throat> of Strickland propane for a week. So he's like, Oh, I'm not going to do nothing. I'm going to go teach shop, you know, with uh, Bobby and Joseph. And, you know, it's, it's a cute little episode. I, I, I absolutely love King of the Hill. And I think at this point in time, the PJs had started, of course, it was like Eddie Murphy's claymation show, which, you know, it's worth looking at today. It might be kind of ugly, but Hey, it's, it's the nineties. Uh, and what we have here <clears throat> is now we have Halloween Havoc 1999. WCW, uh, you know, this is when it was starting to get a little bit bad. Um, it was uh, a couple of months away from the finger poke of the finger, finger poke of doom. Oops. Um I just lost my note. There, there's my notes. I'm sorry. So this was the card here. We had Disco Inferno retaining the Cruiserweight title against Lash LaRue, the future Corporal Cajun from the <laughs> Misfits in Action. Harlem Heat defeating the Filthy Animals, Billy Kidman and Conan, and the First Family, Brian Nobbs and Hugh Morris. Side note, Sideberg, I met Brian Nobbs this year, and he was a... He was a really nice guy. He was really, really funny. Uh, shout out to Brian Nobbs. Uh, this is a street fight for the vacant uh, tag team championship. Harlem Heat won. I think they broke their record. It was like 10-time tag champ. Uh, Eddie Guerrero defeated Perry Saturn by disqualification. Uh, Brad Armstrong. Yeah, Brad Armstrong, brother of the road dog, defeated the wall, brother. Uh, Rick Steiner defeated Chris Benoit to become the TV champion. Lex Luger defeated Bret Hart by submission. Yikes. Uh, Sting defeated Hogan in three seconds to win the WCW title. Uh, Hogan's music played and he never entered. Uh, Sting made his way to the ring. Hogan's music played again and he entered, you know, wearing street clothes. Uh, Hogan whispered in Sting's ear. He laid down. And, oh, this was a bash at the beach. This was a bash at the beach end. Oh, man. And people shat on the Fiend and Seth Rollins finish. Um, Goldberg defeated Sid Vicious by TKO to win the United States Championship. DDP defeated Ric Flair in a strap match. And Goldberg defeated Sting for the WCW title. And I think after this, the title was held up. And then there was a championship tournament at mayhem which i will get to next month when i cover uh survivor series so video games of course you heard at the top of this show the theme from wrestlemania 2000 for the n64 now this was this was a amazing game you know of course the uh the thq engine that brought us such notable hits as wcw versus the world wcw revenge and eventually quite possibly the best wrestling video game of all time, WWF No Mercy, which I get to talk about next year, Lord willing. Now, WrestleMania 2000. Um, this is a game I put a lot of hours into, not as many as No Mercy, because, you know, uh, when I bought my N64, I bought it on Blowout in, like, 02, and then this is one of the games I bought with it because it was, like, five bucks. And, of course, I take my creator wrestler all the way through the championship, I unlock all the secrets like Shawn Michaels and, and whatnot. And this was just a fun game. Like the controls and 
everything in this game was top notch. The gameplay, uh, yeah, the graphics are a little bit polygony and pointy, but you know, it's worth looking at today. It's it's one of the best. It's not it's not quite as good as No Mercy because No Mercy has a more immersive storyline. You know, with each championship, my copy doesn't even work anymore. I don't think my 64 even works because I I played that thing to death. And of course, we also had Pokemon Yellow, which was just a Game Boy Color remake of Red and Blue, but Pikachu is your starter right away. Uh, Spyro 2 for the PlayStation 1. And that that will almost about do it you know wwe also had rebellion in the uk but i don't cover uk pay-per-views so that is it for the first half of this show coming up next during after this break i will be covering no mercy 1999 stay tuned ladies and gentlemen introducing the wrestle addict radio network radio network hey what's up you guys what is going on everybody what up fam hey it's me what up oozes what's up guys this is the monday night delight are you looking for a network that brings you all things pro wrestling then look no further wrestle Addict radio brings you a varied source of wrestling content what's going on guys this is willie my name is mr fresh this is your resident smart slayer search for wrestle Addict radio on all major podcast platforms and be sure to hit that subscribe button so you never miss an episode buzz buzz guys my name is Kate Murphy of the Kings of the Ring podcast, and you are listening. And you're listening. And you're listening. And you are listening. Get ready for a war, because you're listening. Come join the war each and every week as we fight to keep wrestling real. What's up, everybody? This is King Ricky Rose, and you are listening to Wrestle Addict Radio. 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 What is going on, folks? I am Mr. Fretz from the Game Changer Podcast here on Wrestle Addict Radio. You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at the Legendary JF. You can find me every Sunday on the Game Changer Podcast with good brother Nate the F and Great at Real F and Game. Be sure to follow us on Wrestle Addict Radio at Addict underscore Wrestle and our other amazing shows. Fourth Wall Wrestlecast at Fourth Wall Cast, Not Your Mama Soap Opera at Not Underscore Opera, The Kings of the Rings Podcast at KOTR Underscore Podcast, and of course, the Reverend himself, Mance Chapel from the Gift of Podcast at Gift of Podcast. Welcome to October 1999. Let's jump in my Y2K compliant time machine and talk about No Mercy 1999. But first, we will cover movies, TV shows, video games, a little bit of music. And, well, before I start here, uh, I'd be remiss if I didn't mention here that October 1999, the wrestling world lost Gorilla Monsoon. Now, Gorilla Monsoon was a, was a, former, a former wrestler himself, I think, in the 60s and 70s. Uh, he eventually became, you know, the voice of the WWE. He became... The man we heard on on commentary when when most of us were kids, you know, I unfortunately I didn't get into watching wrestling live until uh, he was actually the the commissioner of the WWF. E, um, 
but of course, you know, I, I rented all the old movies I can get a hold of and always loved him on commentary, whether he was with uh, Jesse the Body Ventura or Bobby the Brain Heenan. And his, his commentary with Heenan was just the absolute best, just top notch. You know, they're both, you know, best friends in real life. Uh, and they would just get on each other. Like Heenan was just the perfect foil, the perfect heel that, you know, will you be serious? And uh, especially if you want some commentary gold from that team, watch the 1992 Royal Rumble. It was just outrageous, hilarious, and, you know, perfect, especially when, uh, you know, Ric Flair won the Rumble. And during Ric Flair's uh, title run, Heenan was uh, just an insufferable twat, and it was funny as hell. Uh, rest in peace, Gorilla Monsoon. Uh, you were gone far too soon. Uh, of course, he made an appearance at WrestleMania 15 during the uh, the Brawl for All, of all things. And he looked just gravely ill at that point in time. That was only about six months before this. Pardon me. Um, yeah, and uh, it was a class act by WCW to let Heenan pay tribute to him on Nitro that week. Uh, you could tell he was choked up. He was uh, he he was he was visibly crying. He was visibly upset. And and over the years, you know, as Heenan uh, lost his voice and lost his ability to talk due to cancer, uh, you would always see him wearing like uh, Gorilla Monsoon shirts. And then just in his last couple of years, like I think he got I don't know what he had done, but he couldn't talk at all. Maybe he got like a part of his face taken out and, and you know, it was um, just so tough to look at, but he would always point the shirt, point up to heaven with, uh, with a tear in his eye. And he reunited with, uh, with his, with his gorilla. I think it's been about two years now since Heenan passed away and just the, the two absolute best and. That's the voice of of many of our childhoods. I, I'll I'll never for I'll never forget just the sound of Gorilla every time you know Heenan gets on his case or whether uh, uh, Ventura was healing out. Uh, over the, the past couple of years of his career, I think he he just had a tough time because um, his son Joey was was in a car accident. I think around ninety four ninety five, and and unfortunately it took his life and it took a massive toll on monsoon and if you want to hear some more great content about monsoon i think uh, bruce pritchard has a podcast with all about monsoon on you know something to wrestle with so yeah rest in peace gorilla now i'm gonna get into some movies that were released in october 1999 we had superstar you know, in a Saturday Night Live flick with Molly Shannon, Will Ferrell, uh, Mark McKinney, Harlan Williams, Tom Green. Uh, so this was just a just this SNL misfire. I mean, you, c- you couldn't capture the magic from other SNL movies like Wayne's World and Coneheads. This was just dumb from the start. Really flat jokes. Really bad. Um, 
yeah, Molly Shannon plays uh, Mary Catherine Gallagher, a uh, socially awkward, really, really weird uh, Catholic schoolgirl who wants nothing but infamy. She wants to be famous. Uh, and yeah, and then you know, Will Ferrell, I think, plays her friend or her boyfriend or something. Uh, Mary is, you know, sent to special education because of her hyperactivity and and it just goes from there, like all those jokes that I think don't age well, you know, like she's the nerd and wants to be a cheerleader or wants to have, you know, the the single hunky guy and goes to a talent show, blah, blah, blah. And it's uh, it's dumb. I mean, I probably rented this movie back in the day. I probably laughed. I was 15 in 1999, so I laughed at pretty near everything. Uh, just a bit of a, a sideburg here, Will. Um, I grew up in Brock Township in southern Ontario, small, like a small town called Cannington. And um, friends in Philly, you know, Aunt, uh, Aunt Stefano Scott Rand, uh, you guys would probably know. Well, you guys already know this anyways. But I grew up in the same town as the late Rick McLeish, a former Philadelphia Flyer who played in the 70s during the Broad Street Bully days, won a couple Stanley Cups. And, um, yeah, Rick, he always made it, made it a priority to try to make it out to Cannington once in a while, whether it was for a hockey tournament, a golf tournament, or the Santa Claus Parade. So I've met him many, many times. You know, he passed away a few years ago. Uh, I still keep in touch a little bit with his brother who was a could have been actually a really great hockey player back in the day, but just things fell through. He was about as good as his brother, Rick. Apparently I don't have any proof of that because this happened, you know, 15 years before I was born. Um, anyways, Brock Township in our video rental place was called Brock Buster. Yes. I said Brock Buster. How, how they didn't get sued is is beyond me. So this would be the, something I would rent from the Brockbuster uh, coming out of youth group Friday nights. You know that that was just a block away from from the church where my youth group took place. So we'd step out of there, go to Brockbuster, rent a movie, and go hang out with uh, with my friends. Whether it was uh, you know Double J, whether it was Wakely, whether it was Dave or Sean. Shout out to all those guys. Uh, although I haven't kept in touch with. Some is Wakely. Uh, by the time you, by the time this comes out, it'll be past his birthday. So I'll wish Wakely a happy belated birthday. I love you tons, my brother. I hope you're doing well, and I'm going to send this, uh, send this out to you. So yeah, this was yeah, yeah, it was nothing special. Coming up next here, we have American Beauty. You know, of course, this stars. Uh, Kevin Spacey, Annette Benning, Thora Birch, Allison Janney, Peter Gallagher, Mina Savari, uh, Chris Cooper, Wes Bentley. This is a, uh, could be considered a problematic movie, I guess mostly based on what has surfaced from Kevin Spacey in the past few years with his uh, <clears throat> allegations, if you will. I think they're, yeah, they, they are true. I'm, I'm not going to, I'm not going to get into this. Uh, anyway, so Lester, he plays Lester Burnham, who plays a uh, advertising executive who has a midlife crisis and becomes uh, infatuated and has a thing for his teenage daughter's best friend, who is played by Mina Savari, who you might remember from American Pie as um, Oz's girlfriend. Uh, I can't remember the, the name of her character off the top of my head, but 
you know, of course, we have Thora Birch, who is, uh, I, be I believe, is the daughter. So this film is in itself, it's a satire of of the middle class, you know, and their notions of beauty and personal satisfaction, uh, sexuality, materialism, and redemption. So this was weird. You know, of course we have, you know, this, this movie has been memed and quoted to death and joked about on shows like Family Guy. Uh, <clears throat> so, you know, Kevin, he wants to quit being an adult and he pursues this lady, this young lady, this fucking teenager creep, uh, having all these sexual fantasies. And of course this is where that, that rose petal thing comes from that, uh, cheerleading in an empty gym where he's the only member of the audience thing comes from. And yeah, Due to Kevin, like, this is not a movie worth revisiting. Like, I don't think I ever sat the whole way through. Uh, maybe I did when I was a when I was a teen because this movie had tits, and I'm like, okay, I'll watch. I'll watch this for that. Uh, looking back at this now, it doesn't really age well, especially when it's someone probably my, my age or just a little bit older uh, having like all these fantasies and thoughts about teenagers. And that, that is just, it's so creepy. It, it's so creepy. It's really, really bad. Like, I might try to sit through this again someday. But, you know, I, I hate romantic movies, you know, chick flicks. Uh, I, I find them absolutely insufferable. <laughs> uh, I, I prefer, you know, movies that will make me laugh or action, or action movies. Maybe the odd psychological thriller, uh, but no, like I, I, I can't with this one. Uh, another one we have here is a very popular movie that I'm going to have a piping hot take about. And speaking of a hot take, I'm going to take a sip of this coffee before I get into it. That's great audio content for you folks. Fight Club. Now, this is a film directed by David Finchner, and it starred, you know, Brad Pitt, Edward Norton, Hella Bonham Carter, uh, Meatloaf, Jared Leto. And on the surface, <clears throat> this is just a movie about an underground fight club. Okay, that's all right. That's cool. So you have, you know, a, <clears throat> a guy meets Tyler Durnden. Uh, and they befriend the Marla. Uh, where, where do we go from here? This is just, uh, <clears throat> I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm just, I'm, I'm, I'm vamping here, but this of course, this is just a, um, insomniac meets this soap maker. They form this underground, this underground fight club. This is, you know, one of those movies that are kind of, uh, a mind fuck, if you will. And they form this fight club and they recruit these people uh, as like, you know, an anti-materialist and anti-corporate organization, kind of, you know, like a uh, fuck society and question everything and don't take everything at face value. Like I'm okay with the whole like questioning everything and like, okay. Yeah. That you, you should question everything. Like I'm, I'm a Christian and I question a lot in in the, in uh, theology. 
Uh, nothing I'm going to get into getting into here. If you want to know what I think, come have a beer with me, or or chat me up. It's uh, of course you know that's the thing that's you know they're kind of going up against uh, consumerism, and that's okay. But this is one of those movies that, in a way, uh, caused some kind of faux um, way of thinking or cult or not religion, but it was just this full philosophical bullshit, you know, kind of like the way, kind of along the lines of, you know, the matrix did the same thing earlier in this year. It's like, let's try and think like this. And to some, this movie had would to some would have, you know, a lot of um, elements of toxic masculinity. And, you know, if you meet a guy whose favorite movie is fight club, you, you you might want to give that person uh like another look like really dude um me and me i freaking hate this movie this was like i think this is one of the worst movies i've ever seen in my entire life it was a giant waste of the, of 2 hours or yeah it was like 2 hours and change i love plot twists i love mind fucks like the prestige now you see me. Uh, what's another? Like seven. I like movies like that. That kind of take you down a road and then twist and then just twist and turn. But the Tyler Durden twist was, well, yeah, it was spoiler alert. The Tyler Durden twist. Uh, it was shocking, but I just didn't like it. I I came out of that movie feeling like, really, it was so empty. I came out of it so so empty. Maybe I, I was a bit more of a um, a more conservative Christian when I saw it, so maybe I was taken aback by things like you know the gratuitous sex, like the whole, like the one really wild line from uh, uh, Marla was like, "I haven't been effed like that since grade school." Now she's a Brit, right? So across the pond here, that quote is completely taken out of context, and we're thinking like, "What?" grade school okay creepy although she meant high school obviously i hope um so you know the whole project mayhem thing uh i might try and give this movie another shot because you know i'm a bit more i don't want to say i'm a more liberal christian now i'm just more more lenient when it comes to when it comes to media um like I'm not the kind of guy who be like, oh, God says you shouldn't watch this movie. Um, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna get get into that whole thing. It's like you know, life I think is meant to be enjoyed, not scrut and not uh, scrutinized and walked on on eggshells. Uh, you know, we're all forgiven, right? So, get, getting out of this kind of uh, get get getting out of this now. I'm gonna go on to the next movie because I've spent too much time on this already. Mystery Alaska. You know, a comedy drama film, you know, directed by Jay Roach. And this was just a fictional small town in Alaska that plays an exhibition game against the New York Rangers. And, you know, it starred Russell Crowe, Hank Azaria, Mary McCormack, Burt, Burt Reynolds, excuse me. And this is just like a publicity stunt, like a small town, 600 some odd people where you have these guys, these small town blue collar people that just love to play hockey. You know, you got a sheriff, a grocer. Hey, that's me. 
uh, a delivery man, a high school senior, and they play hockey. And they, I don't know if they win this contest or something, but they get this uh, thing like, hey, let's get the New York Rangers over here. So they're selected to host them in an exhibition game. You know, Little Richard makes a cameo in this movie, as well as uh, uh, former hockey personalities, Phil Esposito, Barry Melrose, and, hey, former Leaf Tide Omi. Uh, Mike Myers has a, has a cameo in here. And I think this was a movie that had a gag where this guy was trying to woo this girl and they have a hot tub and uh, it's in the middle of winter cause it's Alaska and he gets his dick caught in the jets uh, guys. That's not what the jet is for. Uh, yeah. So in music, you know, Heartbreaker with Mariah Carey and Jay-Z, Jay-Z, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, Canada. Um, Smooth by Rob Thomas and and Santana is still ruling the charts. And other than that, you know, eh. So on TV, we have The Simpsons. A couple of great episodes this month. Uh, Guess who's coming to criticize dinner? Uh, Homer becomes the new Springfield food critic. He starts a, uh, I think he starts like a blog which, you know, in the late 90s, you're like, oh, this is a new thing. Uh, and then everyone and their mother and everyone in my high school had a GeoCities page at this point in time. There's something for it. There's a relic for you to look up. Oh, man, I'm glad mine is wiped from the internet. because Oh, it was, it was cringe. So, you know, Homer, he then starts to draw the ire of the food critics because he gets to be, you know, classic jerk ass Homer and uh, gets really harsh on the criticism. He's kind of like, uh, maybe although I would compare him to Gordon Ramsay, but American and a bit less vulgar, a lot less vulgar. Uh, we had Treehouse of horror 10, you know, the annual Simpsons Halloween specials, which are still going today. Like Simpsons just started what season 31, 32. Holy balls. Uh, this one had, you know, I know you did diddly id, you know, of course that's spoofing. I know you did last summer. Uh, Ned Flanders, I think becomes a werewolf. Homer hits him with a car, blah, 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 desperately zeking Xena, you know, Lucy Wallace, Xena, uh, comic book guy is the collector. So he starts to collect and wrap, uh, all these celebrities and all that in mylar because he's a comic book guy he's a collector he's assembling his toy shelf and you know bart and lisa get superpowers of course you know stretch dude and clover girl oh i don't apologize for that and life is a glitch and then you die uh because it's 1999 it wouldn't be uh 1999 without a y2k spoof uh of course homer is the um He's the guy in charge of making sure everything is Y2K compliant at the nuclear plant. And, of course, he fails because he's Homer. It's a miracle that uh, Burns still has him in Sector 7G. Uh, you know, blah, blah, blah. Oh, they have to vacate the planet. And, of course, Lisa is the ship's proofreader. So she gets to go on board with all the greats and, you know, the people that they want to keep in society. And then the rest of the Simpsons end up on a ship that sails, uh, launches to the sun. You know, it had like Ross Perot and Rosie O'Donnell and Tom Arnold. And you had Lisa going to terraform. I think they're going to terraform the moon or Mars. 
and you had more notable people who I can't think of back then. Oh, and it was funny. Tanya Harding was on the ship that went into the sun because, well, you know, she did. <laughs> so King of the Hill, you know, another great animated show at this point in time. Uh, Family Guy was on a break until their Y2K episode in, in uh, December. King of the Hill, we had bills were made to be broken. You know, Bill Dotrieve had a, had a record at, um, at Arlen High for that stood the test of time for eons and eons. And then uh, a new person comes in and starts to break his record. Uh, but unfortunately this person, you know, suffers a horrific leg injury and Bill gets to keep his record, but then they do like a kind of a publicity stunt where he comes out in crutches and does it. And, you know, there's a fallout from that. And, you know, you'd think Bill, Bill will be depressed, but he is and he isn't, uh, there was a big campaign against it in Arlen and uh, well, you know, then Bill eventually embraces the fact that, Hey, you know what? If, if I could pass the torch on to anybody, it's him. Uh, then we had the little horrors of shop, you know, Hank becomes a, a substitute a shop teacher for a week because uh, Buck Strickland just, Hey, you're overworked. Get out of here. And of course, Hank being a honest workaholic just wants to do something. And, you know, he's basically kicked out of, uh, <clears throat> of Strickland propane for a week. So he's like, Oh, I'm not going to do nothing. I'm going to go teach shop, you know, with uh, Bobby and Joseph. And, you know, it's, it's a cute little episode. I, I I'll absolutely love King of the Hill. And I think at this point in time, the PJs had started. Of course it was like Eddie Murphy's claymation show, which, you know, it's worth looking at today. It might be kind of ugly, but Hey, it's, it's the nineties. Uh, and what we have here, <clears throat> is now we have Halloween Havoc 1999. WCW, uh, you know, this is when it was starting to get a little bit bad. Um, it was uh, a couple of months away from the finger poke of the finger, finger poke of doom. Oops. Um, I just lost my note. There, there's my notes. I'm sorry. So this was the card here we had disco inferno retaining the cruiserweight title against lash larue the future corporal cajun from the mm, misfits in action harlem heat defeating the filthy animals billy kidman and conan and the first family brian nobbs and hugh morris side note sideberg i met brian nobbs this year and he was a he was a really nice guy he was really really funny uh, shout out to brian nobbs uh, this is a street fight for the vacant uh, tag team championship. Harlem Heat won. I think they broke their record. It was like 10-time tag champ. Uh, Eddie Guerrero defeated Perry Saturn by disqualification. Uh, Brad Armstrong. Yeah, Brad Armstrong, brother of the road dog, defeated the wall, brother. Uh, Rick Steiner defeated Chris Benoit to become the TV champion. Lex Luger defeated Bret Hart by submission. Yikes. Uh Sting defeated Hogan in three seconds to win the WCW title. Uh, Hogan's music played and he never entered. Uh, Sting made his way to the ring. Hogan's music played again and he entered, you know, wearing street clothes. Uh, Hogan whispered in Sting's ear. He laid down and, oh, this was a bash at the beach. This was a bash at the beach end. Oh, man, and people shat on the Fiend and Seth Rollins finish. Um, 
Goldberg defeated Sid Vicious by TKO to win the United States Championship. DDP defeated Ric Flair in a strap match. And Goldberg defeated Sting for the WCW title. And I think after this, the title was held up. And then there was a championship tournament at Mayhem, which I will get to next month when I cover uh, Survivor Series. So video games, of course, you heard at the top of this show, the theme from WrestleMania 2000 for the N64. You know, this was this was a amazing game. You know, of course, the uh, the THQ engine that brought us such notable hits as WCW versus the World, WCW Revenge, and eventually, quite possibly the best wrestling video game of all time, WWF No Mercy, which I get to talk about next year, Lord willing. Now, WrestleMania 2000. Um, this is a game I put a lot of hours into, not as many as No Mercy, because, you know, uh, when I bought my N64, I bought it on Blowout in, like, 02, and then this is one of the games I bought with it because it was, like, five bucks, and, of course, I take my creator wrestler all the way through the championship. I unlock all the secrets, like Shawn Michaels and, and whatnot, and this was just a fun game. Like, the controls and everything in this game was top-notch. The gameplay... Uh, yeah, the graphics are a little bit polygony and pointy, but you know, it's worth looking at today. It's it's one of the best. It's not it's not quite as good as No Mercy because No Mercy has a more immersive storyline. You know, with each championship, my copy doesn't even work anymore. I don't think my sixty four even works because I I played that thing to death. And of course, we also had Pokemon Yellow which was just a Game Boy Color remake of Red and Blue, but Pikachu is your starter right away. Uh, Spyro 2 for the PlayStation 1. And that that will almost about do it. You know, WWE also had Rebellion in the UK, but I don't cover UK pay-per-views. So that is it for the first half of this show. Coming up next during after this break... I will be covering No Mercy 1999. Stay tuned. And it's time for the main event with Steve Austin going up against Triple H for the for the WWF title. So this match starts out with uh, Triple H coming out with the sledgehammer. McMahon takes it away from him. They get a whole bunch of plunder uh, in into the crowd and into the outside. Uh, Triple H is just getting decimated. All around, we have, you know, them getting into a little tussle, getting some offense down by the announce table. Uh, in the ring, uh, the, re the referee gets gets bumped. Uh, Austin ducks a clothesline, stuns Triple H, but there's no referee. Uh, Triple H is up, flings us. Austin into an incoming referee, knocking him off the apron. Eats a pedigree, and finally another referee comes down. Austin kicks out at two. Triple H is not happy but at Earl Hebner, but Earl shoves him right back. Sh uh, one thing that was great about Earl Hebner is he took no shit from Triple H. I think there was a there was like a match where he he decked him, he'd do the second chant. I don't know if Hebner actually Got a pinfall in some dark match segment, but I have a feeling something like that happened. Uh, Austin takes advantage with Aluthez Press, uh, hammers away, drops drops that classic Austin elbow. 
Austin tosses Triple H over the top rope. Uh, Austin heads over, and then they throw Triple H over the announce table. And this is when <laughs> Triple H decided to do his blade job. Uh, Austin just continuously beats him down against the table, chokes him out with the cord. Triple H just is taking all the punishment. Austin gets gets a two count. Back into the floor, fling into the steps. Uh, Triple H starts to fight back with some punches and some suplex. Suplexes Austin on the top of the announce table. Back in the ring, Austin fights back. They keep, they just exchange blows. Triple H goes after the knee, wraps around the post, Bret Hart style. And then this is when Triple H keeps attacking the knee. Uh, Austin keeps fighting back. Triple H goes Goes up to the to the top rope, but is met with a series of chops from Austin. Climbs up after Triple H and superplexes him off for a two. Austin has a chair, and uh, he slams he slams down the chair at least a half dozen times. But Triple H, out of desperation, kicks him in the nuts. Bandage rock. A bandaged rock comes to the ring with the sledgehammer, but accidentally hits Austin and then is pedigreed into the chair. I mean, the rock is uh, Triple H wins. This was a weird but great hardcore plunder match. Uh, fans were pissed about Triple H, uh, but, you know, maybe he would have looked like a weak heel. Some would think he needed the win, but I hated Triple H so much at this point in time that I wanted to see Austin end his career. Uh, but yeah, this was, I think uh, one of Austin's last actual in-ring matches until, well, no mercy 2000. And I'm actually going to be covering that on a future episode of Fretzelmania, uh, kind of rebooking who ran over Stone Cold Steve Austin. I might save that for next year, but I might do it now because well, the runover angle actually happens next month. And that's when you will hear me on the 20 bell salute again. Uh, this has been Mr. Fretz. You could find me Sundays on wrestle addict radios, game changer podcast with my good brother, uh, Nate, the F and great. So thank you very much for tuning into this on the wrestle addict radio, Patreon folks, follow us at addict underscore wrestle and all of our awesome shows at the fourth wall wrestlecast not your mama's soap opera kings of the rings podcast and the gift of podcast as well as our other patreon shows uh, like jeff Pomaccio's uh tattoo show and his version of this is me willie t doing the monday night wars and i think there's going to be some more stuff coming so stay tuned here here folks and next month is November 1999, meaning I get to cover Survivor Series 99, and I might hop over to WCW because this is the uh, that is the Mayhem tournament in which their video game is named after, and it features a pretty cool title win. Spoiler alert! So, yep. Thanks again, folks. TTFN. Ta ta for now. Keep wrestling real.